0: If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome back to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a guy who works in sports talks to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like that's just not sports. And it's not just a guy who works in sports today, my friends. I am said guy, Brad Burke, your host from Chicago. But back in the fold The former guys of the show, (laughs) Gareth Hughes, seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer in our Brooklyn Bureau. Gareth, how are you, man? Uh,
1: What's new? Uh, I'm doing great. When last I was on the show, we discussed cancer. And I still have that. But (laughs) the good news is... Uh, I'm probably going to have cancer for a while. Uh, is the truth, and that's Wait, the bad that's news. The good, that's the good. news. No, no. Okay, what's the uh, bad it, news? It, <laughs> the, the good news is that treatment of the cancer has gone very well recently. Yay! And so well that, um, well, let me let me think of some good ways to sum it up. I rejoined a gym because I have enough energy to do that, which was really. Which I'll get to that in a second, but so that's a good thing. Um, uh, and my doctor actually used the phrase, he used the phrase "under control" to describe my cancer recently, which that's is, great, man. Which was great, and as he put it, you know, I think treatment hopefully will be going on for a long, long time before we can even approach things like surgery or whatnot. But so, can like, I ask you? Can I ask you a question?
0: When yeah. he says under control, do you fire back with like, are we talking Rodman on the
1: Bulls or Rodman on the Spurs? <laughs> I would I might throw that at him next time just to gauge his response. I mean, he's a pretty tolerant doctor of <laughs> me and my bullshit, but that one might test him. <laughs> so <laughs> Well the Spurs uh, reference
0: is really the way you know if you said pistons he he
1: gotta you keep him on his toes bro you know right like, exactly well, but the bulls is when he really grew into his own I mean that's when the worm really became who we know and love but um but yeah so but part of what I find really funny about this is what has really helped get things under control is that i I had a lot of pain problems and so they I started in on I started taking a fentanyl patch. And um, at first when this doctor suggested, it wasn't my main oncologist. I have a doctor I think I've mentioned just for pain and side effects. And so when she first mentioned, we could put you on a fentanyl patch, I love it. I was like, absolutely not. She was like, why not? And I was just like, have you seen the news any of the last four years about the opioid crisis and things like that? And she was just like, oh, I know It's, it's terrible, but honestly, these fentanyl patches are great. Brad, it's been life changing, buddy. And I I like I want to become like a fentanyl influencer, you know, like I want to be like, you know, like, are you patching? Because, buddy, I'm patching. Uh, You heard it here first on
0: Just Not Sports. Gareth Hughes says lighten up on the opioid crisis. Let that museum
1: donor family go. I just I can't figure out how to be a positive voice for the opioid crisis because it's it's really helped my quality of life. The and first I'm, ever opioid crisis influencer. It's like you
0: and Logan yes. Paul are like the two in this corner.
1: I, like I want you guys to be watching some weird video and be like, what is he talking about? Oh, it's sponsored. Now it makes sense. I get it. <laughs> so Yeah. Hey, today, uh, we, we're going to break down the serious uh,
0: side effects of the opioid crisis. But you know another side effect of losing time,
1: having to go to the post office. <laughs> that's why we're brought to you by Stamps.com. right? And now an advertisement for mattress. So,
0: I um, no, yeah. look, that's so, great. Like, and we haven't, you know, Gareth and I, uh, you know, we talk when we can, text, you know, whenever we can. I, I never know how much is too much, how much is too little. I felt bad actually. I kind of like I was traveling a lot for work. I wasn't reaching out as much, and then I, I sent you a text and. It, uh it took like two days to respond I'm like I'm cool like Gary like Gar- Gar- a lot, yeah, of-, yeah, good, a lot yeah. of shit going on he's not he's not sitting there being like bro where's my instant recap of uh, uh of Barry right right well
1: look let's be honest it's also it's football season it'd be fun to talk about football the Bengals are a, a, just a wreck in in just the most inconsequential way possible like they have the worst record in the NFL, and all anyone wants to talk about is the Dolphins and Jets, so we, we're not going to talk about that. Like, um, I don't know. When I have time, I just kind of hang out. Like, I've been trying to just... This is going to sound, like, trite from, like, perspective having cancer dad, but I just want to hang out with the kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um You know, they like I talked about last time, like they still know what's going on. And like the other day, I went and picked up my son. He was like, Whoa, dad, you're still strong with cancer. I was like, Thanks, bro.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, I had to take my daughter to medieval times last night. So, if you want to hang out and do more of that, you can do that too.
1: Yo, how was that? I mean, like you said, they were actually
0: jousting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it it got pretty legit. I will say this uh, they assign you a knight to root for. Um, okay. We we're there as part of like this field trip type thing. Our knight ended up being like the heel, like the bad guy. Mm. and got all the way to the end and started really ins- he got all the way to the end and he started really insulting the queen. Mm. And I'm trying to explain what's going on to my daughter, who's six. And here's what she said. This is no joke. Black and white knight. Stop it! You could make better choices. <laughs> and I was like, "Kids are the best, man!" Like they just, absolutely the shit they say is so great. Um, no, well, I tell you what, we got more. You and I are gonna break down some distractions after the interview. I'm excited to have you back. Uh, we're gonna catch up, doing the thing we do, which is pushing all the serious introspective stuff to the side and and just nerding out on horrible pop culture <laughs> that is utterly inconsequential. But I have a feeling we both have thoughts. Right now, I want to set up our interview, our guest for this week. That guest is Kimberly Martin. She is the senior NFL writer for Yahoo. I need to apologize to Kimberly. I had this interview with her like weeks ago, like back near the start of the season. And I I ended up getting a lot of uh, guests that were on book tours that had very immediate deliverables. So we talked near the start of the NFL season. She was just coming back from training camp and she's so interesting. She is such an animal person. And when I say animal person, I'm not just talking about her dogs. I'm not just talking about her turtle that yes, they've had for like decades. Cause I didn't know turtles Uh. could live for decades. Even though I did see Michelangelo and Raphael trending the other day on Twitter, which is like totally bizarre. She's got bunnies. And Gareth, you know this as a as a father of children. When I see bunnies, my kids are like, I want a bunny. And I'm like, those are wild animals. You can't have them for pets.
1: Yeah, they have a, a certain musk. Bell Halliday's class had a bunny one year and you had to you had to take it for a weekend. And it's like Oh, do you, you have to let it out of the cage for like free time. I mean, bunnies are yeah, they are wild animals. <laughs> well, she's claimed
0: she's <laughs> Kimberly has tamed hers. <laughs> she's doing oh, better yeah. than we are in this department. She's got awesome stories about it. I mean, look, Robert Downey is back in Doctor Doolittle, <laughs> but oh, I think no, we've I believe it's just no no Doolittle. It's just Doolittle. Um, pending md you know or whatever (laughs) med school yeah uh but no this was actually a lot of fun and we we ultimately drift off into tangents like coloring book the joy of coloring books and not like those weird trendy adult coloring books but like just coloring books (laughs) right so anyway it's a lot of fun with kimberly stick around for that and uh after the break we will be back me and gareth to jointly distract you
2: Everybody say you
0: you mentioned in your email you like animals more than people. And I've you know, I've heard this before. I can never tell you know, clearly, you know, being facetious, having fun. But I, I do wonder, like, what is it about animals that clearly gives you such a a, a strong emotional connection to them?
2: I feel that animals are pure.
0: Hmm. If
2: that makes any sense. Uh you know, I just they're they're pure and um, they just, I don't know. I just, they, they just, you know, and, uh, you know, I have a a few different animals and I found in raising them just how they're just like, they genuinely love and care for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's not, and I just got a dog too, for the first time dog owner, um, as well. And I've been floored by, that connection because I wasn't somebody that I grew up being afraid of dogs. I never had dogs. I was a cat person. I think cats are, I think cats always encapsulated my personality. Like they, they're not super in your face, like dogs. They're just very like chill, like, Hey, come over when I need some, some love and affection, but okay, that's enough. I'm gonna go (laughs) do my thing over here. Right. Like that was very much me. And I find it really humorous that now that I have a dog, I am completely obsessed with her, probably much to the disappointment of my husband, but I am so disapp- I am so obsessed with this dog. Uh, <laughs> and I love the fact that she, you know, wants to be around me all the time. Like, I love that. And I just think with people, I find animals never disappoint in a way. You know, I find that in a way that, people, sometimes love with people is conditional. Sometimes, you know, I think generally most people are born pure and innocent and, you know, whether it's environment or whatever kind of shapes who they are. But, and I think that's probably why I say I love animals more than people because people can be really screwed up and do really terrible things. And sometimes you question you really do question because on Twitter, sometimes I'll see stories and I just retweet it and I say humans are trash. You know, like we should right. be doing so much better for one another and the planet and we continually fail. <laughs> you know. Um, whereas I find that animals really um, there's just there's just something really sweet and generous, like genuine about them.
0: So I I have plenty of dog questions for you and cat questions, but I have I have to start with you said you own bunnies. I do. First things first, I have a six year old daughter. We have a family of bunnies who lives under (gasps) under our deck, but I don't know they they they're outside, you know. And my daughter every day is like, "Daddy, I want to own a bunny as a pet," and I keep telling her, "Well, you can't do that. Like bunnies can't be pets. You're really." You're really calling me out here as a liar.
2: To- I know. Wait, what's your daughter's name?
0: So her name is uh, Charlotte. I call her Charlie.
2: Okay. <gasps> Fun fact: Growing up, I wanted to have a boy's name. I wanted to either be named Charlie or Frankie. So, oh, there you tell go. Charlie. She needs to give me a call because <laughs> bunnies can definitely, definitely be pets. And I'll be honest, most people are completely floored that I have rather, you know, I'm a woman in my thirties. I'm a black woman from Brooklyn. It's not at all what you would expect. I just don't, it's just so against what people would assume uh, an adult woman <laughs> would, <laughs> would have no children, but she has two bunnies. Yeah, and the funny thing is, so we're on our second pair of bunnies. Our first two, I think we got, my husband brought them home from a woman this is how long ago it was. This woman rescued animals and um you know he found her listing on Craigslist. Uh and and she like had you know animals like snakes in her snakes in her bedroom, rabbits <laughs> in her bathroom, you know, she had dogs. She had like he said the whole apart the whole house was just like just animals everywhere. And the bunnies she kept in the bathroom and she would find stray animals and rescue them. And then put out these things on Craigslist, like, hey, you know, I have a bunny or I have like a snake or whatever. So he brought them home Christmas of 2008. And then um, they've since passed away. But those two bunnies were, as a boy and a girl, and they were bonded rabbits. and They were just, I think that was my awakening as a pet owner. And it sounds really, really creepy and strange and weird but i've always loved cats but the bunnies to me that raising them almost like triggered this maternal thing in me that i never ever had
0: how, and it's weird how, how to even say that yeah like because how come?
2: bunnies, so you are right and both you and charlie are right <laughs> pets <exact laughs> can be pets but they are a lot harder to take care of than most people think. Mm-hmm. most people get rabbits and like oh they're so cute and then after a while they're like okay this is a bit much and then they just kind of put them outside they you know their diet from their diet um from you know you got to change their water clean their litter box you have to pot you know i had to we have to potty train them how to use the litter box in their in their cage um so it it was almost like they're they're cute and cuddly right and so that's why you most people like bunnies, like petting them. They're adorable. But they're afraid of everything because bunnies are prey animals. So everything can eat a bunny. You know, they eat grass and hay and, and you know, romaine lettuce. Like they don't eat other animals. So everything you do, every movement can freak them out. They can give themselves a heart attack because they've been scared so badly, Right. So in in how you handle them, there's a proper way to pick them up and put them down and everybody's different. Right. So to me, it almost felt like we got these bunnies because and it was only because the apartment we lived in at the time didn't allow dogs. And my husband was always a dog person. And so he felt like, okay, the bunnies are kind of like a furry thing since we can't have (laughs) and he and he hates cats he does not like cats so that was like the bunnies were this like surprise compromise but you realize these rabbits you do all these things for them and they kind of it's like once you do that they're like okay cool you know like at least with my bunnies like the the first pair they had each other so they were always together they like slept next to each other in the cage they were in one cage um but it wasn't this reciprocal, like, you know, they like lick you and stuff or like rub next to you at times. But it wasn't that, uh, you know, like a dog, you know, and and you realize, huh, I just want to take care of this creature. That's all. Like, I just want to make sure this creature has a really good life. And it it for whatever reason, loving this animal or these animals And wanting nothing else in return, like the only thing you want is to make sure that they are happy and healthy and and well taken care of. That was my only mission. So I think that that act of I don't know if I don't want to say it's like selflessness or anything, but putting all of your energy into like, okay, they're good. They're happy. You know, um, I read up on what kind of because they cannot eat all lettuce. You know, it's got to be romaine. Dark, leafy greens, <laughs> you know, carrots. People think, oh, you feed bunnies carrots all the time. Actually, no. You give them carrots sparingly because candy, because carrots are like candy to them. So you don't want to just give them carrots all the time. You know, you you want to give them, they can have an unlimited amount of Timothy. You know, it's like, I just went into overdrive trying to think because I didn't know anything about them. But I was like, if we're going to own them, I've got to make sure I take care of them properly. So it, for whatever reason, it triggered that maternal thing in me. I was somebody that never wanted to get married and never wanted to have kids. Uh, now I'm married, don't have kids, but I've got this <laughs> apartment full of animals and here we are. Well, spo-
0: spoiler, well, the first six months with a baby is exactly what you just described. Like You doing everything <laughs> for this little blob uh, to keep it alive and it having no emotions back to you other than anger and n- rage. But but, so I I have some specific bunny questions because I I, I do think they're an animal that toes that line between, you know, is it ever really your pet or is it sort of a, you know, it's sort of a domesticated wild animal within the house. Like, for example, when you say potty training a bunny, I had like a visceral reaction. Like, I just assumed that holding a bunny would be like, I don't know, just like holding any outdoor animal that like, uh, if it just pooped on you, like it just, that's what's going to happen. But you're saying you can actually potty train the bunny. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. do that?
2: Uh, well, so you want to determine if your bunnies are going to be in a cage outdoors or inside some, you know, if you've got, we live in a condo in Jersey, so outside is not an option for us. Right. So we have, we, for the first pair, they were always together. So they were in one cage and you put a litter box in there, it's a triangular litter box, and you just kind of like put them into the, to the litter box. Like every time, you know, you keep moving them into the litter box until they realize, like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, you would like sweep up their little like Cocoa Puff droppings, put it in the litter box. So they understand, like, you know, they associate that smell and like that thing with, oh, that's where I'm supposed to go. And, it, you know, Are they like wild animals? I think yeah, I mean you yeah. And but once you domesticate them, once you have them on the schedule of like, hey, when we wake up, I bring food to you and I change your water, you know, it's a wrap. Like they can't go back outside. So they, you know, because they've grown accustomed to, hey, this is the person that just, you know, cleans my crap and like feeds me food. So (laughs) but but yeah, you know, it's funny. The first two. This is what I learned. Now we have a second pair. It's two boys. They a week after we brought them home, they started fighting, like ha ha ha, cats and dogs. Like they just, we brought we brought them from the same place, from the same cage. Literally, just brought them home, and a week later, everything changed. They cannot stand each other, and I was sort of like, what the hell, bunnies? <laughs> like right. they're. Bunnies are social animals. That's what I read. They're supposed to like each other. And then I did more reading on male bunnies and how for a lot of them, you know, they it's once they reach like that six age sexual maturity point. It's like, okay, I don't want any other male rabbits around because if a female bunny comes around, I want to be the one, you know, to fertilize that, you know, And, and so they fight over that. And so there are no female bunnies around us. We live in this apartment, and but they would just fight each other. And rabbits fight very dangerously. They will go at each other's genitals. That's something I learned with this pair of rabbits that I did not know. Huh. Um, yeah, because, and think about it. It makes sense, right? You want to be the man. You Like, if any other female bunny comes around, that's mine, right? So it makes sense that you would try to rip off the other bunnies like equipment right that makes sense logically i get it mother nature i get it so that's what i learned too so now these bunnies are in two separate cages making life so much more difficult these two don't have the same bond as the other two and you realize like yeah they i'm not sure if they really like us i think they do but but you realize like all animals have their own personalities like the same way you allow for cats and dogs to your first, your first cat or your first dog, you know, you realize like, oh, it's nothing like the the second cat or dog I, I actually own. Like this one was quiet. This one was shy. This one loved to run around, you know, they're all different. And, and once you realize that it's a it's, it's harder to take care of bunnies, like it's not this easy thing. Like, if we go away for the weekend, guess what? Like the bunnies are coming too.
0: You know, and like <laughs> I all was of gonna their ask kids, you that too. How how much how long the- can you leave a bunny alone? Like
2: so please don't call uh, child welfare services on me or <laughs> ASPCA. But no, it is based on our two but you know, everybody's different, but um based on our two bunnies, if we can leave on a Friday night, right, and come back Sunday morning, that would be like the extent, because if you make sure they have enough water and you give them ample, like I load up the food, you know, and each of the bunnies eats at a different pace, and you know, each one likes, you know, one may like basil uh, more than parsley, you know what I mean? So you're you're cognizant of that too, but that's probably that's probably the longest that that we would leave them, not for an entire like full weekend. Um, we, my husband and I actually did two vacations this summer, first Turks and Caicos, and we left the bunny. That was a five-day trip. We left the bunnies with his parents. Then, and while, I should also note, while we were in Turks and Caicos, we adopted the dog. So that's right. a separate story. And then the next month, we went to Italy for a week. So now we have these two bunnies and a turtle and um, the dog. And so that those eight days in Italy, we actually boarded the the bunnies at one animal hospital near our house. And then the dog at like a puppy place, you know, in a separate town in Jersey. And then I think the turtles stayed with my in-laws. So when I told, like my life is a sitcom, an unintentional sitcom, <laughs> I'd like, say, if I, so. I have a kid, I'll die. I just don't think I can handle it. What are all your
0: what are all your pets names then?
2: All right, so the, I'm going to start with the boy and the girl, Bunny, who passed away because they're, they're just like my babies. So um, the, two, the, the two rabbits that my husband adopted from the woman on Craigslist, um, the girl was named Gertie, and the boy was named Mr. Bojangles. So when he brings <laughs> them home, he's like, so just so you know, this woman rescues animals. These are the names they have. Obviously, you can change them. I don't think bunnies even give a damn. But once I heard Gertie and Mr. Bojangles, I was like, okay, I can't really top these. Um, and the, the girl, she was bigger. She was more dominant. Um, she was, you know, she was the more assertive one. She just seemed like a Gertie. Like, she was in charge, right? Um, and then so Mr. Bojangles, I couldn't come up with a better name. The two bunnies we have now are named, one is named Monster because he's ginormous. And uh, the other one, the other one is named Whitey Bulger. Now, Monster (laughs) and Whitey Bulger were originally named Cinnamon and Sugar because Monster is this brown, he's a Harlequin rabbit. So he's like this, got this great coloring, this like brown, you know, like cinnamon, light brown, dark brown um, coloring. Like there's distinctive markings for Harlequin rabbits. And then Whitey Bulger is this super tiny white rabbit with red eyes and brown ears. So when I got them initially, I was like, oh, I'll name them Cinnamon and Sugar. That's cute. And then we took them home. And then they were like, you know, gnawing at each other's like genitals. And I was like, all right, well, you guys really aren't cuddly and sweet. And half the time, I don't even know if these two really like us. They just kind of put up with us. So Monster, because so we had to change their name. So Monster, because he's a giant and Whitey Bulger, because He looks at you with those red eyes and you just realize, (laughs) does he, does he want us dead? I don't know. Um, the turtle is named Jojo. Technically his name is Jojo Townsell. It's my husband's turtle that he found in like a Hudson County park when he was eight years old and he thought it was a rock. So he's a kid, finds, finds this rock, brings it home, a head pops out. And you know, a thousand years later, this turtle is still kicking.
0: Yeah. How is this turtle still alive?
2: I mean, we will have to write the turtle in our will and hope hope we should probably have kids just so we can have somebody to take the turtle when we pass <laughs> on, because I'm sure this turtle will last forever. Um, but the turtle is actually named after a former Jets <laughs> kickoff returner, I think. Yeah, I think he's like a kick returner. Um, I think that weekend the weekend that my, that Jeff brought the, the turtle home, the jet, he was watching the jets game and that guy returned a kickoff for like a touchdown or something like that. So he was like, your name's Jojo. So Jojo <laughs> and okay. And so the dog that we, we adopted while we were in Turks and Caicos and took her back uh, on the plane and brought her through customs. Her name is Mercella, and she was the runt of her litter Um, and her name was Marcella when we picked her up and my husband and I just could not agree on a new name once she became an American citizen. So he wanted to name her Montana for Joe Montana because he's obsessed with Notre Dame and loves Joe Montana. I wanted to name her Biggie Smalls, which he was not feeling. So I refused to relent. And so the dog has kept her name. So she's Marcella. Those are all my animals.
0: Uh, So how do you get a dog home from a foreign destination? I I specifically can go all the way back to the Olympics that were in Russia and people were finding that you saw the stories on Instagram of like athletes finding these stray Mm -hmm. dogs and stuff. So was it something where you just, um, you know, found a roam in the streets or did you run into a shelter there? What was the sort of circumstances for having the adoption happen while you were on vacation?
2: So the whole point of the Turks and Caicos trip was... We rarely get to go on vacation. We go on one decent vacation a year, right? We just wanted, this one was going to be a short trip. We just wanted to relax on the beach or by the pool. That was the point. No crazy excursions. And my husband had said, you know, the only thing, you know, he looked up things to do in Church and Pecos And he's like, the only thing I absolutely want to do is go to that adoption agency on the island that allows you to like walk on the beach with dogs. So it's, it's actually a pretty well-known, like it was featured in like People Magazine years ago. It, if you look at things to do in Turks and Caicos, um, it's called the Pot, pot Cake Place. Um, pot Cakes are the actual name of the dogs on the island. And they're, straight, they're, you know, mixed breed mutts, like, you know, that basically are strays that are brought in. And this woman and her husband who own the rescue adoption place they allow tourists to come walk the dogs on the beach because it helps with the dog socialization. They accept donations to help with um, with vaccinations and everything like that. And, and they say you can adopt a dog, but they make it very difficult, you know, for, for good reason. You know, they want to know where you live. They will Google map your house to make sure that there's space for the dog to walk around. They, you know, they want to make sure that the dogs go to good homes. So the goal was just, pick out a dog, walk it on the beach, return the dog, go back to sitting on the beach. That was the plan. We met Marcella Saturday afternoon. We (laughs) were on a plane Monday morning with the dog on our laps, on the plane. And the biggest inconvenience honestly was calling United to make sure, because there's some rule, airlines say that you can only, there's a max number of animals you can transport on a plane. For United, it was three. So luckily, two other people hadn't, you know, hadn't brought animals on the plane. So we were able to pay an extra fee. She was technically supposed to be in like a duffel bag under my feet. But I just put her on my lap and put my scarf over her and she was fine. She didn't cry. (laughs) She just slept the whole way. She was 12 weeks when we got her about 14 pounds. And then when you land at Newark Airport, you're thinking, oh, gosh, we got to declare this dog. Is it going to be a thing? On that custom form, it says, are you bringing, you have to declare meat or animal or animal byproducts or whatever. So you check that because she's an animal. So you go through customs. And then, you know, you go to another agent, a separate agent, um, who literally looked at the dog, petted the dog, said, oh, my gosh, she's so cute. And they were like, okay, that's it. So surprisingly, a lot easier to get a, a dog from Turks and Caicos into the States. Um, you, they do not allow animals like dogs from America into Turks and Caicos because we yeah. have deer here. So, huh. yeah, things, see see the animal. The amount of things I've learned just by having these animals? is amazing. <laughs>
0: now, not everybody can transition from being a cat person to a dog person. How were you now, able to do that?
2: Only by the grace of God. No, um, very. you know, I like anything furry. <laughs> I'm pretty simple. I like anything furry. Um, I think, though, like when I said cats really um, encapsulated my personality, like I like independence. I like to be left alone a lot of times. I'm good by myself most times. You know, I love eating at restaurants by myself. Um, so cats to me were like and they have such attitude. I'm like, hello. But there's something about, I think it started with the bunnies and that like, that kind of opens your heart a little bit. Like when you have to take care of an animal that really isn't giving you any, any sort of visible love in return, I think that just kind of opens you up to just a bigger heart. Right. So now the dog is here I was very concerned uh, about adopting a dog because my husband's had dogs his whole life. He's loved dogs. He works at shelters when, you know, volunteers at shelters. Meanwhile, I'm like, I have no experience with this dog. I'm going to be the one that's got to potty train it. I honestly, she almost broke me as a human being. The potty training almost (laughs) killed me like tears like tears like you feel like you are like failing as a human on this planet like why can't I get this dog to pee outside it's like it's like this crazy thing and but what I'm realizing is like it happens to a lot of people but I never experienced it uh because I never had dogs and so just again it's that that act of she was the run of her litter. She's ve- she's very shy. Very was very nervous, was afraid of the wind, birds, doors, other dogs, <laughs> people, like to the point where we live in a condo and we would have to carry her, physically carry her down the hallway and out the door, then put her on the ground. Otherwise, she would be too scared to walk in the hallway cuz every sound would freak her out. So to me it was this it was this challenge of like, okay, how do I make this creature feel really secure in this space? How do I like make her feel she is loved? That it's okay that um you know and and work on her confidence? You know, it was like all this like I'm trying to think of. And here she is opening the door. Hi, Marcella. Um, <laughs> you know, like just thinking about how do you get this animal just to be okay? And that was my challenge. And and I think that's how. That's why I, I still love cats. I, if I could, I would add, I would, I'm whispering because my husband's outside. I would add, I would just bring a kitten home if I could. If he was oh, not wow. allergic to a kitten, I totally would. Because it's just that cat lover in me is still there. But now there's just a dog lover mixed in with the cat lover and everybody's living in harmony within my body. And no,
0: and no, <laughs> And the dog does not go after the bunnies.
2: The sad thing about the dog and the bunnies is this. The dog wants to play with the bunnies so badly, like wines, like, but the the bunnies in general, their, their personalities are like, we don't really give a crap about the rest of you. Like, as long as you feed us, like, we're good, right? So she wants to play with them. We've done the, like, hold the bunny, like, pick up one, hold it very close, like, let that, let the dog smell the bunnies, because there's a whole thing. There's a whole thing that I learned, you know, if we ever have a kid, there's like a thing where you got to bring like baby blanket home and let the like dog smell it. And like, this is part of the family, you know? So we're trying, you know, we we've got the dog understanding like the bunnies are part of the family. The thing is like when the bunnies are hopping around getting exercise, the dog wants to play so bad or badly that, you know, the bunnies kind of get a little freaked out. So we have to give the dog crate time for right now. When the bunnies are getting their their exercise on, it's a whole thing. My my life, it's just, with my life, it, it's just a whole thing. That's that's what it is.
0: Well, I, it's been great breaking down your animals. I do want to ask you a question <laughs> or two before we go about. You had mentioned coloring books, and the first thing that popped in my head was, you know, those adult coloring books that are kind of trendy or whatnot. And you were very quick to be like, "Nope." I'm no, talking trash. No. old school, mm-hmm. like Hello mm-hmm. Kitty style coloring mm-hmm. books. And I have, look, no judgment. I have a lot of those around my house. Um, Cause I have, I, you know, I I have two kids and I, and I am someone who can sit there and color next to them while they're doing that and get mm-hmm. a lot of enjoyment out of it. So what is it about those books that still holds your attention? And is it more like you collect them or you just like to, to do them as sort of meditation or whatever enjoyment?
2: So I have always liked coloring and drawing. Uh, I got it from my dad. My dad actually was, he could draw. I, I wasn't that talented. So as a kid, I would always write stories on construction paper and I would draw the pictures and I would color them. And he would always tell me like, "You, yeah, this is great, but color within the lines. You're not coloring within the lines. So um, maybe that's why I'm so OCD now. But um, he, so I, I've always been into art and like just cut like I I there's nothing more freeing to me and fun than being on the floor and coloring in and I mean like go to CVS or go to the supermarket and whatever coloring book that you would think oh I'll buy my four year old like nephew or I'd buy my like six year old daughter like those are the kind of coloring books I want. I don't want any of the adult like crazy little those picture thingies like design like that's lame. I'm talking about like coloring to me is not like a fad and I think that it just like became this new thing recently but I don't know I think there's just and I forced my husband to color with me um, this conversation is reminding me that I I should make him color with me again but I just find it so so fun and I think I think why do I love it? I don't know it's just it's just a release in a way the same way I think I like to draw, but drawing is one of those skills that if you don't, if you don't exercise that muscle, like, you know, routinely, like I'm not as good of a drawer now as I was in high school, right? So to me, drawing now is actually very frustrating because I feel like what happened, like I used to be so much better. It didn't take me so long to, you know, complete a, a sketch, right? So the coloring is an artistic expression, but it's 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 no fuss. It's like low stress. It's, you know, um, I do take it very seriously. I'm not gonna lie. Like when my husband and I are side by side and he's coloring and I'm looking at him like, oh, you colored her nose black. That is not the right color. Like, what are you doing? I was gonna like, ask I'm you like- that. Like, are you <laughs> someone that's like
0: staying rigidly oh in God. the lines and like oh, judging? Yes, Cause I, yes, I have a yes, tendency yes. when I'm doing it with my daughter, and she's going crazy. I'm like, Oh y- yeah. Are you sure you want to do that? Hun? Like, uh, No,
2: no, no. Yeah. I am very much like, <gasps> really? You thought the sky should be green? Like what, what's happening? You know, um, I am somebody <laughs> like, I will, I have a box of 64 crayons. I've had like a million 48 boxes, um, colored pencils. I like to outline and marker, and then coloring crayon because it makes the picture stand out a little bit more like I am I am not kidding uh people that listen to this probably have shut this off because they're like she's a freak show but I just find it so fun and and it's uh, again I think it's because the the artist in me um it's the same reason I like makeup and like eye makeup like you're you're coloring on your face like You're like, there's something awesome about watching people sketch and doodle and color. And so not tapping into that for so long, because you're an adult, you're like, I shouldn't be, you know, coloring or sketching. I got like adult stuff to do. But those moments where you just say, screw it, like, I'm going to have a glass of wine and just sit here with my Hello Kitty coloring book, regardless of what anybody says. Like, if you say it out loud to people, they're like, really, you color. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, but, but I think, I think in this phase of my life, I think we probably need to do more of that. We need to like, remember that the things that used to excite us, you know, as kids or teenagers or whatever, there's a reason. And just because we're adults, you shouldn't lose that. I think kids are amazing in that the way they see things is so simple. You know, I think adults, we tend to overcomplicate things. It's like, you know what? screw it. Coloring feels good. I want to color. That's it. That should be the, you know, end of the sentence. But I think as adults, we end up just adding, you know, overanalyzing and adding things that aren't necessary. And there's a pureness again, you know, like with the animals, like children, like they, they can tell you like coloring is fun. The end.
0: And you can name that cat you're going to get. Hello, kitty.
2: <laughs> that, the cat that my husband does not know I'm going to smuggle into the apartment one day. Yes. It's going to be named
0: Hello (laughs) Kitty, or or Biggie Smalls. Yeah, I think either one of those uh, is. Oh man, yeah, I gotta,
2: I gotta get an animal named Biggie Smalls before I die.
0: That's just a given. What would you put your money on? uh, Would be the next animal you add to the family.
2: Honestly, and if I could, if I lived by myself, I would say cat. But since I don't, another dog. I don't think I would do rabbits again. Um. Uh, another dog like i've already said like don't you think marcella needs a playmate? and my husband's like really like come on now like we don't need a damn zoo right this is is, is good but i could see now i am just like dogs are awesome so i could see biggie smalls martin robert in in the house at some point jumping around
0: And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all do interesting things. And then we, the fans, the uh, the, the uh, glitterati of the sports world, if that's a thing, we tell them, stop being interesting. Just get back to watching game film. And that's ridiculous. Uh, you are not a locker room distraction for having distractions in your life. That's why on this show, we break down what's distracting us week to week. And Gareth... Back back with me after the interview, we have a joint distraction this week and something I'm very excited to talk to you about because we have not spoken about this. We have not texted about this. This is what we call in the biz, a cold read, okay? Because <laughs> we're talking about, Gareth, help me out here. What are we going to talk about? What's the TV show that is blowing our minds?
1: Are you watching The Watchmen? Who's watching The Watchmen? It's The Watchmen on HBO. Which <laughs> I, Brad, I'm watching. You it. You <laughs> got HBO? Oh, you had HBO because of Thrones, right? Yeah. Well, here's what happened in my house.
0: Luckily, my wife we're 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 over four years now on just not sports. By the way, happy anniversary, Gareth. We we surpassed that. On, I think on November e- either October 28th or November 3rd was the four year anniversary of the show. Wow. And it honestly feels a lot longer to me than you. <laughs> like, I'm like, we started this in like twenty eleven, right? And you're like, bro, it's been like what, five weeks? Come on. Right. You're like, Gareth, your liver has suffered, but
1: mine has also
0: suffered. <laughs> yes. Um, but we got Roku, like, cause we're now streaming in this house. We don't do mm-hmm. cable anymore. And I have signed up for like Hulu, Shutter, like all these things that we're currently paying oh, for. But
1: oh, oh, So you've recreated cable. Yes, like, but since my wife, value, you've recreated my wife, my wife no longer
0: has visibility to the bills, so like it's all just kind of there, and she doesn't watch it. <laughs> got it. And she doesn't
1: listen to the pod, so that's safe. But <laughs> so. I'll say
0: this: I've got a lot of thoughts on this. But let me let me ask you: At what point did you become excited for this? Because Watchmen. Um, is it resides in a corner of popular culture that is both nerd literate, but also uh, uh, so impenetrable to a certain degree for new people because of all the stuff that's been written about it. I just wonder at what point did you see the TV show and say, I'm all into checking this out?
1: I think it's, I think it's nerd literate, but also snob accepted. Like, I think there is a highbrow thing that is going on with the Watchmen, or with that, you can, like, anybody can be into it, and there can be no, like, no one's gonna look down your nose, like, at you if you're like, I'm really into Watchmen at this point. It's become, like, canon.
0: Well, the, um, the the
1: real fans of the comic will because it's all woke nonsense, right, Gareth? Well, or Alan Moore will hate anyone who Alan Moore hates anyone who seems to enjoy his work. So <laughs> is, you know, like, yeah.
0: Has anyone been angrier? But that he's he's famous and rich than that right. fucking guy. It's like right. him and Billy Corgan
1: in the nineties is like the, the one and one A. Um, it was I was a late add to this bandwagon basically one of the things and i think i might have mentioned this but one of the things that's been really important to me all opioid jokes aside is that i have tried to read a ton since i got got diagnosed with cancer there's a part of that that was like i was mad at myself because i wasn't reading as much as i used to so it's like well no time like the present to make changes in your life And then there's another part of me that's like, if I can pay attention enough to actually finish and read a book, then I'm doing well enough to overcome the noxiousness of these drugs, that they're not totally ruining my life. And so I made a real effort to read a ton. And I've got my whole book list of everything I've read since I got diagnosed. And a friend at work knew how much I was reading. And so he came to me in like August And he was like, hey, man, I just got you a present. Here you go. And he handed me The Watchman, the original graphic novel. And so I was like, oh, I've never read this. And he was like, it's the only graphic novel that was listed on, like, I guess, The Guardian UK's 100 Greatest Novels of the Last Century. And I was like, oh, that's pretty impressive. And he knows I'm a snob about things like that. And so I took it home, and I was in the middle of another book, and I immediately read The Watchman. Like, I've just... I read it and, I mean, it's 400 pages. It's not like, to say you read it fast is, I don't know, it's well, it's a comic book, but it's dense. There's, as, as you probably know, there's all sorts of stuff about the Black Freighter and other things going on. So like I guess it, what
0: you're what you're saying is it was kind of like a post Taco Bell shit on the toilet. You get you plowed right through.
1: <laughs> right, right. No, but <laughs> I, I was I was I loved it. Like I got why immediately why people would have loved this. The artwork is outstanding. Um, and so I just I was really into the comic book. And then he was like, Yeah, well, so what's coming out on HBO? He's like, Well, there's already been a movie made of this. I was like, Yeah, I never saw it. And so, I, Brad, I have still not watched the Zack Snyder cut, or the Zack Snyder movie, because, uh, you know...
0: We're going to have to well, talk about that in a second.
1: Because <laughs> I've heard so many bad things about it, but then a couple people in my life whose opinions I really trust, like, love that movie. Um,
0: uh, okay, l- l- let's jump into the movie real quick, and then we'll get into the show and more The movie's about the all novel. you, I'm just curious about it, so... So, look, Gareth, I mean, I, I'm no expert. I, am, I mean, I am an Associated Press Did award Did you read the winning, comic book? I am an Associated Press award-winning film critic, uh, so I guess I can break down my experience of The Watchmen. Uh, no, I have not read the comic. I mean, I, I've dabbled in it. I've read around it, um, which I'll yeah. actually talk about later in, in terms of... I, I've consumed source material <laughs> about the source material to the point uh, uh, where, like, I know I everything about it. Um, The... Zack Snyder film is what I would call and one of the reasons I like the show so much is because there's a scene in the show where they do this like hooded justice TV spotlight where it's this old school character from the 40s running around and it's like hyper realistic and slow-mo and looks very elegant but not lived in. And then you watch the rest of the show, and it's like a world that feels lived in, even though it feels foreign to the viewer. And I think the Snyder Cut... Sorry, it's not the Snyder Cut. The Snyder, that's a whole other cut. No, no. I love the idea of calling it the Snyder Cut throughout. <laughs> like, let's steer into the skid, baby. Um, the Snyder film, to me, always felt like a... Uh, it, number one, it was so faithful to the comics, except for a, a, a handful of like very you know, uh, intentional changes, but it, it was like an homage from a super fan more than like a take on the source material. And it was horribly cast. I, I don't agree with a lot of, I like Dr. Manhattan. I like the comedian. I think the original Silk Spectra is, um, is, is great. I just, there's other people that like literally look like they're staring into the camera waiting for Zack Snyder to say, We're done shooting Crank Down Slow Mo. You can talk now. Yeah, like yeah. it just it feels lifeless. And what's so amazing to me about the TV show is how it takes a very strange pastiche of all these, uh, you know, comic book cliches that they, that, you know they were ultimately like tweaking and playing and reinventing, and it makes it feel grounded in the real world. And and I just mm. think it, I guess it's, it's fabulous. The movie, I guess I would say it's like three hundred got remixed stylistically as Watchmen, and it worked in three hundred in a weird way, and it does not work
1: in Watchmen because it just makes it all feel weird. Well, I love what you said about the hyper. I think one of the biggest problems with adaptations is when they are too faithful to the source material. I saw the first Harry Potter movie in the theater and I, it was a Chris Columbus movie. So I don't exactly know what I was expecting. It was dog but Like it was awful, <laughs> but it was incredibly faithful to the book. But it was like, I don't need a retelling of the book. I need the cinematic version of this. Whereas Peter Jackson adapted the Lord of the Rings, took great liberties with it, killed a bunch of elves that never would never died in the books and it was awesome, and you just have to figure out. And then he tried to adapt King Kong, which is a different form of adaptation, and whiffed on that. But Well, let me jump in here because there's a uh, there's another riff on what you just said that
0: I think it, it also sums it up. If you watch, like, look, Alfonso Cuarón saved the Harry Potter movies. Like, they would have rebooted it. I think if they just kept going in that direction after four or five, it just would have been terrible. When Cuarón yep. came in and made um, the Serious Black movie, I remember being with my old roommate Tony. And he was a huge fan of the books. And he's like, man, I just can't forgive that movie. And I'm like, why? And it was like the best movie of the series. And he goes, well, the kids in between class are like taking off their robes and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because they're kids. And they're in class. And they're outside. <laughs> and like right. that, when you really think about it, that's a directorial choice. It's like, get comfortable. Like, be a person in a movie, yeah. not a character in a movie. And I'm with you. And, and that's the vibe... That's probably the better articulation of what I was lo- looking at. It's like if the Snyder movie was the Columbus Harry Potter, then this is the Quran lived in expressionistic world that just feels interesting and lively and full of surprises. And oh my God, Gareth, the plot twists and turns and things that it's doing is just. I have not been okay. I want to break this down. I have not been this. Well, exce- say, to
1: your point, I just want to say like how much I agree with you. I did not notice until three episodes in that this world does not have cell phones, and I yeah. only hey, newspapers. That I, There's no internet. Yeah, yeah, and it's. But I didn't miss it at all. Like it, it, it just sort of like I accepted that this was the world we were in, and I went with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's. Well, it's
0: probably a a, a world of totalitarian control. You know, like, that's the right. Nixon era. That's what it became Redford, who's Redford. deemed a yep. liberal. But, like, what? Like, in, in the same way that people say it with, with Obama, like, oh, he's a huge liberal, except he's still doing drone strikes. Like, right. I'm sure that there's a whole another layer to peel back here with what this world is and why it's like it is. Even though technology seems very. I, I don't know how to describe it. Technology seems very much um, accessible to the few in this world. Like, it's still hyper-progressive, but it's not uh, ubiquitous at all. Mm -hmm. Well, let me jump in. When was the last time that you were excited about a show like this? Because I have my list, and it goes back to like... First things first, Lost was a show that I had so many questions about in the first season. Ultimately, that show really abandoned me and I just didn't care about it at all. But that first season was really a lightning bolt to me. I loved the the world building of Mad Men when that first broke. Uh, also, just having worked in an agency. And then like Game of Thrones, but also the first season of True Detective, when they hinted at this Lovecraftian supernatural stuff. I was reading so much shit about that. And then ultimately, none of that got paid off, and it was just a right. red redneck uh, shoot em up. Wait, but I was—I
1: I thought you were going to say it was a redneck herring, which is a great <laughs> line. Yeah, that is a good a redneck herring on on that was great. W- what's the last show that you remember actually being this kind of into? Well, for a drama, to me, it would have been True Detective the first season, and it, it, like, and I was so I was with you, I was with All of America on that one. I was go reconnaissance. I'm in whatever I get into comedies like this, but it's rare for me to get this excited about a one hour drama. Um, I skipped Thrones breaking bad. We watch later Sopranos. We watch later. Like, I don't know. Like my wife was obsessed with lost. Um, I sat that one out after the first season. Um, this is and so like Sunday night when I sat down to watch this as appointment television, I was like, I haven't done this in a long time. And it felt great. Yeah, felt me great. neither. <laughs> I have not had a show that I haven't watched either just
0: on Netflix. Like, oh, hey, I'm editing the pod and I'm watching Bourdain. And, well, that's like, the other
1: thing. Brad, this show is so intricate that I have decided to put my phone down while I watch it. Which is yeah. like, at this point, the highest compliment you well, can give You said you've show. been
0: watching multiple episodes. Are or, or, You've been watching episodes multiple times, right?
1: Well, so what happened, and this was great, was I? I got into it. And I watched the, I watched. Let's see. I didn't watch the pilot the week it came out, so I watched the first two episodes back to back, and I was like, "Oh, I'm in on this show." And then I watched the the third episode and fourth episode. I've watched as appointment viewing, and so after the third, my wife overheard a friend and I talking about it, and she was like, "I'll watch this." And so then she was watching episodes one, two, and three while I was around. And so I ended up getting to rewatch them again. And that was when I decided to put my phone down while I was watching them. And I found I was getting so much more out of them by actually paying attention to the show I'm supposed to be watching. It's a novel concept, I know. Um, And I loved it. You know, just little stuff like in episode one, she's drinking out of an owl mug. And then the owl shows up in episode three. And all of a sudden I'm like... Oh, I think I'll really enjoy this more if I just pay attention. Um and the characters are riveting. You know, like yeah. what what's on my phone that's more interesting than that? So I, I have a theory on why
0: I mean look, from a from a show perspective, I think the production design is amazing. I think the music from our boy Trent Reznor <laughs>
1: amazing. Well, but, but also the music supervision and the music they're licensing is amazing. Yeah. Like you, you, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like the graphic treatment is so much better than every other show. Like last night's episode four, that just, it began with just like a sizzling, like, and it just says the Watchmen. And it was just like, okay, I'm fucking in, you know, like it's so cool. So like, I, have a, I want
0: to talk plot in a second, but I have, I have a theory about why I liked this so much so I want to run by you. Okay. This is what I call entertainment surround sound. And I have three principles that combine to form the most appealing surround sound to me in my current form as a 40-year-old man.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: One. The show itself is really good and really interesting and engaging. Great. Creative. Awesome. Two, though, it's got what I call discoverable source material, meaning mm-hmm. there's IP that I know of but don't know intimately that I can spend a lot of time <laughs> getting to know intimately in between the episodes. Like, that's... A, when I get on the train, I'm watching, like... Video is about the originals, you know, uh, uh, comic. And someone at work's you know, Alan at work's giving me, hey, I got an extra copy, like, go read it. Like, it's, I, are you like me? Like, you, you like to be introduced to something that's kind of already in motion and then having a chance to, like, go back and visit it in real time. Yeah,
1: I, I love, like, my favorite thing after seeing a movie I love is to come home and then read all the reviews of said movie, read the backstory, listen to podcasts about it, things like that. And, like, Brad, I'm not mean to jump ahead, but I I mean this as a way to agree with you. Like, I'm also now downloading the official HBO podcast of this with Craig, who is it, Lindelof and Craig Malzahn breaking it down after every few episodes. Like, I mean, which is an unprecedented sort of, like, at least for something as high up as an HBO series like this. To me, feels like an incredible bit of transparency to share that much about how this stuff gets made.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, uh, not a fan of that pod. I I did start to dabble in like the expanded universe pods around this, and they are real hit or miss, bro. They are a couple dudes taping on <laughs> taping on some well, really bad equipment that are getting yeah. those those eps up that night. Hey, real quick uh, before because uh, I do want to jump with the plot. Uh, the, the third thing was. And it's kind of along these lines. That sort of Easter egg instant reacts culture online. Like on my train rides in, because I got a two hour commute. On my train rides in in the morning, I'm like from five to six is me watching 91 Easter eggs you missed in last (laughs) night's Watchmen. Like I'm in. I'm here for all 91 and I will probably watch this tomorrow not knowing I I watched it today.
1: Dude, they turn those around so fast, though. Like, who are those... What content farm is... I'm impressed. I'm amazed by it. I think they use a lot of the teaser trailer, like, on next week to get placeholder
0: stuff together, and then they just, like, boom, boom, boom. Got it. Oh, my God.
1: Um, I have been sent a lot of those. I have not listened to all of them, or watched all of them. Sorry, Jason Plush.
0: (laughs) So, okay, at this point in the pod... Uh, we're gonna start talking about the plot of the show. Look, we're only four episodes in. I'm not even gonna give you a spoiler warning. We don't know anything either. Yeah, so it's all gonna if be you've been watching the show you know
1: Barely more than anyone who's not watched an episode. So. so
0: here's let me let me ask you some questions. Let me uh, let me see what you got to say. Who is Louis Gossett Jr. in this story? Besides, I think he is Hooded Justice. I think he he was clearly the boy from the Tulsa riots. Yep. he became the original hooded justice and then whether he is himself a clone a something else i don't know i don't have no idea what he's trying to do i have no idea like who he's with who he's not with i don't like know what his about goal this guy. is yeah. for this
1: yeah I, well i I'd, I'd also be interested in discussing the role of clones in all of this um but who is he, and what's his goal, and why did he set all this in motion, with what he did at the end of the first episode? Like, why is he setting out to do this? I think is the question. I do think he could be motivated by the hundredth anniversary of the Tulsa riots um, to do something. No, um, yes, there's that. Like, you know, just like we've lived this way for a hundred years. I also think that piece of German propaganda that he carried around with him for most of his life probably made an impression on him um, and led him to question his nation and homeland. Um, Well, do you think that lady true then
0: is rebelling against Vietnam occupation and that they are essentially creating a coordinated societal
1: upheaval? Uh, I would say yes to that. And I would also say yes to her being against the Vietnamese occupation. Um, That's one of the other things I I do love about this world they created where, and this is me sort of cribbing some of the Lindelof podcast answers, but just like Vietnam is like a state now. Like it's like the 52nd state or whatever, you know? And they just sort of like, and so he was talking about Regina King's character and just sort of like, she doesn't, so, like she's an African-American from Vietnam. Like she's just, I don't know. Like you don't have to be Vietnamese to be from there anymore. Um, and so, you know, that stuff makes you re- like, and I had to explain that to my wife and you like, you end up rethinking Vietnam and every other part of this world. So, um, all right. I got two questions about Judd, the Don, Don Johnson, Don Johnson character. That's a big loss at the end of the, like, cause they had great chemistry and he is cool on screen. Like I wanted okay. him to be a part of this. Okay. Question one: Is he really a racist? Uh, I don't know that he's really a racist, and that is the white person's answer. Um, well, he had a clan know, costume example. in his house, so uh, it, 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 there's
0: multiple. To our listeners, there's multiple white person answers to this question, and I think if you have a
1: a court, no, but giving him the benefit of the doubt after seeing a clan costume. Or like outfit in his closet is, you know, the white guy answer. But they also had great chemistry and I enjoyed watching them together. So I don't want him to be a racist. Like, okay, I'm well, wish casting well, hey. here. Okay. Well, then my question too, is he dead? I think he is dead. We saw him strung up from a tree at the end of episode one. And, and he we've, never pretty seen, dead.
0: we've never seen any other person die who also also later well, appeared later. Like, do you think he might be... Do you think the cloning stuff might be related to
1: that? And that maybe... But what is the cloning stuff? Because we've seen it with Ozymandias and what's going on wherever he is. And we saw it, like, very overtly last night in episode four. Um, But you just brought it up in relation to the old man and throwing it out with Don Johnson. Like, how are we going to, what is cloning in this world? Do we know enough? Well, we know enough to speculate because the internet exists and we can speculate all we want. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's really
0: tough. Like I, when he died, I was like, okay, he's someone pitched him. Like you're going to be the Sean Bean of this show. But like, maybe not. Like, I, I just, I I keep going back to, I wonder if there's a deeper purpose for that character that we haven't figured out just yet. but I don't w- think you cast him without something else coming down the road. The one thing I will say is the show has become so expansive
1: quickly. that it is
0: so quickly grown out of the cavalry that I watched most of this episode being like, oh yeah, that thing, which seemed to be the central conflict and now feels so far removed from so much of the world, which I, maybe they'll tie it all back around. I'm sure they will. But I, I did start to get a little worried that, like, it, it, did they just bite off so much that we're
1: losing sight of where we need to focus? Well, that's. let me ask you, what do you think is the central conflict of this show?
0: Oh, man. You and your your, your snobby elite questions. I was just going to ask about Trent Reznor. Um. Okay, I think the central conflict of this show is. I really believe where it's going is like a reckoning with the sins of the past that like Mm -hmm. Lady True, if she's really there to like kind of liberate Vietnam or get reckoning for it, if um, Louis Gossett Jr.'s character is not satisfied with sort of advancing his own cause but like needing real retribution if Ozymandias was imprisoned because he was you know he never got retribution now he's, he's trying to get back in revenge like is everything just okay that's one view is everything just you can gum you can hide the past you can gloss over it but you can't escape it like we have to deal with it there's another reading that someone gave me recently that I thought was really apt which is people like Lori Lori Blake, who we haven't even talked about yet, was my favorite it, she's my favorite character on the show, and Sister Knight is great and her costume, by the way, best superhero costume ever, like the whole like when, when she's spray painting her eyes every time, that's oh my always gosh, always she, like just the way her dress like kind of moves, yeah, I mean not no no knock it in the lube man from episode four, but like come on, <laughs> but Lori Blake perfectly sums up like the cynical. You know, vibe of everything. She's such a well-drawn character, so well-acted.
1: When she... I loved her, like, when she and Sister Knight are together to... Like, I don't know. Like The one thing they've done really well in writing and directing and casting these actors and characters, it's like when they bounce off each other, it's just awesome to watch. Yeah,
0: it's really well-acted. And And if you watch the movie, you should watch the movie. Because okay.
1: it's essentially
0: just like watching. It really works. It it really works with the show you're watching on HBO, in that it informs the past and the characters look alike and whatever else. And Rorschach, uh, Jack Earl Haley plays Rorschach, and he's I think he's very good. Um, mm-hmm. It's just lifeless compared to what you're watching. There's no there there's none of that crackle, you know, like right, between well, the L- characters.
1: Lori Blake's character, like. She's all crackle like this is, like that's been her whole thing the entire time, too. So you're and it's tremendous. Right. I mean, it's 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 yeah. really
0: good and it's
1: it's it's awesome content. I don't know the world that the expansive, giant, detail filled world that is built that quickly is a really impressive thing. Um, I've been floored by it and it's been great to be a part of. So oh, speaking of great to be a part of, how about
0: this show? Shout out to Kimberly Martin uh, from Yahoo. Go read her every week. Senior reporter on the NFL for Yahoo. Doing great job doing the uh, doing the Lord's work covering the league this year. An unpredictable league, if you will. Gareth, in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, Gareth, booty rappers. Bo- Stay booty. I love how you flubbed, you flubbed your one line. Hey, you know, I love it. <laughs> All right. Love Love you, man. Good to have you back. You're doing great. You sound great. We are, and we're here for it. Good talk.
1: Say booty, everyone.